Welcome to Movie Time Machine, where each week we take a movie from the past and we live it in the present. This week, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Directed by the Coen Brothers, starring George Clooney, Tim Blake Nelson, and John Turturro. I'm your Time Machine host, Chad, and I want to introduce you to my Time Machine co-host. We'll just go around the table and introduce yourselves. Hey, I'm James. Uh, been uh, doing this for some time. No, but... Uh, Currently enjoying the show Happy on Netflix. Actually, it's not on Netflix, but it just showed up, and man, it is—it's uh, pretty funny, pretty dark. Uh, but if you like uh, people killing people and uh, cartoons, that's your ticket. Hey, this is Chris. Um, also been doing this for a little bit, right, James? <laughs> <laughs> but for uh, some time now. For some time now. So uh, one of the things that I'm currently watching is season three of The Good Place. I just think that show is great. Um, super funny, very witty. I enjoy it thoroughly. So that's what I'm enjoying. What the fork? My name is Jamie. <laughs> and I'm currently watching. Uh, season one, I've only seen episode one of The Righteous Gemstones on HBO. It's a pretty wacky religious comedy with John Goodman and Danny McBride. And this is Chad. I just finished season one of Ozark. Um, very intrigued, very good series so far. And watched the very first episode of The Watchmen. And surprise, like when I see, I'm excited to uh, dive into the next couple episodes of that. Very quickly, has anybody seen the Witcher 3 uh, trailer that just was released? Is that a video game? It is a video game, but and they're doing Netflix the Netflix series. series, and they just released like a, a more extended trailer. Oh, cool. No. I haven't seen okay. it yet. It is the Netflix awesome. series uh, is it a cartoon? No, it's going to be a live, live action. action. It has Superman. Yeah, Superman. Oh, Man I, of Steel. I just assumed Cavill. that was a movie. I have seen that preview. <laughs> 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 I saw Cavill, and I'm like, I'm like, are we all talking about the same thing? What's happening? Yeah. So, okay, got it. All right, just let you know what's happening here. Uh, we are going to give you a quick synopsis of the film, go over some box office numbers and movies that came out in the year 2000. In the year 2000. We need a bathroom after that, for the harmonics. We're going to do a quick little <laughs> review of the film. And after that, we'll probably share some of our favorite scenes, talk about the movie. Then we'll end the podcast with a list. And today we're going to list our top three Coen Brothers films and aggregate a top five list. So let's start out with a synopsis of the film. We'll go into some box office numbers. All right. Thank you, Chad. That was a great roadmap for our podcast here. I appreciated the word aggregate. I had to look it up. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Um, again, this is going to be the synopsis for Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? taken from the IMDb. In the Deep South during the 1930s, three escaped convicts search for hidden treasure while a relentless lawman pursues them. We'll go ahead and take a look here at the, um, at the box office. So this had a budget of estimated $26 million. The opening weekend domestically was 195000 uh, domestic gross ended up being uh, 45.5 million, and worldwide gross was 71.8 million. Uh, movies that year, honestly, we could go down the line for a long time with 2000s, I think. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Requiem for a Dream, as far as indie goes, uh, like was, I think, uh, very depressing, but very, very good movie. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I love that movie for. That's a good. Uh, 
just say no to drugs movie. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's like it's like, am I on the fence? I am not anymore. Uh, so uh, that did better than Dare. I feel yeah. like. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> greater, <laughs> show greater results middle, oh, yeah. than Dare. Middle yeah. school kids yeah. be like, hey kids, watch this. The fridge is gonna eat you. What? That has yeah, awesome soundtrack. It's like that goes. Yeah, the score is really good. Oh, it's all good. Uh, High Fidelity came out that year. I don't know about you guys, but I love that movie. It's just so simple. It was a very much, I could watch it over and over again because it was just very easy That's to the watch. record store one, right? Yeah, Correct. Jack yeah, Black. with Jack Black. Uh, yeah. yeah. In, like in a very, like, that's how you got introduced to, like, oh, that's how Jack Black is going to be as an actor. But he's matured now. I think he's, I think he's fantastic at this point. Yeah. He's so yep. good in Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> <laughs> good dad. He has matured. Um, and then... Uh, one of the like for me, I'll stop talking about two thousand movies. But uh, Mission Impossible two came out that year. At the time, fantastic movie, three thumbs up. Love that movie. Uh, now as the rest, as it's uh, like kept on going with its uh, things, and J.J. Abrams kind of got into the film uh, in producing it. Uh, that is the worst <laughs> of the Mission Impossible. Yeah, I think you said that before. I yeah, I've yeah. actually never seen it. That's I know that's its <laughs> oh, reputation and- though. <laughs> So, yeah, no, I agree. Like, watching them all, like, I'm like, oh. So my wife was like, hey, this winter, we should watch them all. And I was thinking to myself, awesome. I might skip two. I might skip two for her. <laughs> we should watch most of them. Yeah, I was going to say, well, let's watch the Brian De Palma number one. Let's get the idea going. And then let's just start with the Abrams produced ones. It that's, is awesome. That's how the wife and I do the Harry Potter series every October, <laughs> is we just skip one and two and we start at three, because that's where it actually starts getting good. Oh, we uh, do that every October, too. We just skip all of them. <laughs> I, w- I would concur, though. Azkaban is my favorite of oh, the Harry Potter down. movies. Yeah. That's good. Um, Alright, all right. let's get into the film. Let's do uh, some thoughts on the film, feelings on it, how we... Just a quick review on it. Do we like it? Does it hold up over time? It's been... Um, almost 19 years mm. to the date. That's crazy. Like, to the date is that what it was? December that... 22nd. So oh, it's getting yeah, yeah for it's sure close. Um, yeah, I would like to say it definitely holds up uh, for sure. I will not like it um, <laughs> in 10 years. <laughs> I didn't like it now after it came out. Oh wow! Uh, Tell us more. Not liking it is not. I guess that's not the right words. Uh, it was enjoyable. I probably won't watch it again i personally the music was fantastic this is your first time watching the film correct okay that is my first time watching the film so i mean a lot of good movies came out in 2000 i mean i was really busy re-watching mission impossible 2 um <laughs> it's so bad i, I worked so at the movie bit. theater it was free so why wouldn't i keep watching the same movie instead of branching out and watching oh brother and maybe really loving it then i'm not positive on that the music was the high point for me the music was really really good uh, soundtrack is amazing and the but and so in the in the cast i think the cast was really really good yeah. i just think the story wasn't like up to par for me and i but i don't know the story of the odyssey very well but it seems like from what i was reading while watching the movie that the odyssey or that the coen brothers didn't really write this or read the odyssey too so i'm confused uh, like so does anybody pipe in and do they know the story of the odyssey very well it's, where they could be like this is exactly no, like it's it. like it's i just saw an interview with them uh from the charlie rose show and it was in 2000 i think and or 2001 and uh they're saying that they, they they came with the idea of loosely basing it on what they knew from the odyssey just kind of like this this kind of adventure story and just 
this idea of like trying to get back home and that's kind of like the main point of the odyssey from what i was reading so like kind of brushing up on this before, so like oceans 11 was so. loosely based on the grinch right <laughs> yeah <laughs> come on, on now come on got it <laughs> I want to I want to press you a little bit though, James, because I read um, I just read through Wikipedia and Roger Ebert pretty much said what you just said. He, I, yes, exactly. Yeah, I was I was kind of my mind was blown like when. Yeah, he said I read that he gave it like two and a half stars. He acknowledged the performances were great, the music was great, but it lacked something he couldn't put his finger on. Like I I don't know if he said like yeah, narrative so like the, wise, yeah, or, narrative wise, which I totally disagree with. Like there is lots of, I think it's. It's it's kind of hidden because there are some things that I was starting to pick up through the second time that I watched the film. It's like they only talk about like this one little nugget here, like in the beginning with like the uh, the man with no name, like just like he's prophesizing like their adventure along the way, like everything that's going to yeah. come up. And at the very end of what he's prophesizing, he says like you'll see like the the cow on the roof of the cotton house, and that's what they see like that's after right. <laughs> when the flood comes. When the yeah, when the uh, they uh, dam up the river or whatever. Close up the dam. But do you have any any sense or like what was it missing for you, James? Or to me, it was just the story went uh, just like it was like a play, and I, that's probably how it was supposed to be, and uh, that's fine. Uh, but for me, it was just different sections, and then when it got on to the new act, it. It didn't seem like it flowed for me. Like, oh, here's the next thing. Blah, blah, blah. And here's the next thing. Oh, there's some sirens by a river. Huh? And just, I don't know. Like, it just didn't really flow for me as a, a story. But the way it was, I mean, that's, to be honest, like, it was everything else. Everything else was fine. It was honestly just the story. It was the way it was put together as a story. That's just what didn't resonate with me. The score was great. Even the music, uh, the score was great. The music was great. Actors were great. Even the filming of it. Like, what I thought was super cool was... It like clearly they filmed in the fall and that it seemed that way, but all the leaves were always yellow. Like everything was yellow besides the characters at all times. And I thought that was really cool, but it was very like, it was 2000. Like we digitally did that shit for sure. Yeah. Filtering going. Oh, there was some mad filtering. And so I don't know. I'm honestly like everything else about it. I was on board with just the storyline. I was just so like, okay, well I'm a damper Dan man. You know, I would probably second exactly what he's saying as well. Like for me, I remember watching while I was watching this being like, this is like so bizarre. It's just like small vignettes where like it didn't seem like they like everything was tying together and like things were very like disjointed, in my opinion. Um, And for me, yeah, it was really a similar viewing experience where I felt like the the acting was really good. The characters were really, um, really good as far as the casting goes. Um, music great, but it just things didn't flow, and they seem so disjointed. What made it feel disjointed? Um, For instance, like either from you or James. Yeah, yeah. So, like for instance, like them driving down the road, them hearing women um, like singing, and then all of a sudden they stop. They go down there. They have this like weird little like vignette of them with these like women, and then all of a sudden it just stops. They're asleep like see but yeah, that's the thing with like the sirens i think that's what's kind of loosely pulled in from the odyssey i think that's that was the only part kinda of like it this that really like, felt like oh it's kind of like this it's it's like it's almost like a historical movie about like folk americana it's got like that vibe is so heavy 
and it's crossed with like things that you would read in like uh, ancient like text you know like the odyssey and like you get kind of like the it's almost like fantasy mixed with like this reality that's what i really like about it and i don't it's just these little things that they come across on this adventure and like even though it may seem like it's out of left field or it doesn't make much sense but at the end of the story it it, it kind of makes a lot of sense to me i guess i could talk more about that but i'm just so that threw you off and like what else like i can i can get on board with that exactly how chris was talking i can and with what I was saying earlier, I could see it as a play, like put it in acts and then I can get on board. So if I even like walked into it feeling like that, then maybe I would have liked it better. Maybe I would have been able to separate myself from what the movie was and be like, OK, this is this act. This is what's happening in it. And then to your point, Chad, like, yeah, is what message are we getting from beyond or like an old story? Like what's right. the old wives tale here? Like what is the message of this scene uh, where all of a sudden, oh, he got turned into a toad. Oh! It's kind of like the, the sirens are like tempting them. And there's this whole idea of like sin and being like saved. And, and yeah. But that was the first scene that I was actually like, okay, let's get back into what maybe was happening with like, what was Homer writing then? And it was very like, okay, let's get more biblical on this. And what is the message? And that was the first scene that really hit me where I'm like, okay, I need to be thinking deeper about what these scenes mean. And where I did after the siren scene, that's when I did want to go back. Yeah. I wish there was a, uh, Maybe I missed it, but I thought I wish there was a more impactful scene then. But the fact that Ebert thought the same thing I did, I mean, I'm just Lloyd Dobler in here just going a fist up. Well, actually, that just makes this. that just like feeds into this like I fucking hate. <laughs> I, just, I just I feel like I'm always like on the opposite end of like critic reviews, especially when it comes to like some something like you know, Roger. Yeah, Ebert I'm on the opposite review. end of your review, critic. I, We're whoa, table divided. <laughs> I think like to I think like to go back like I think of the scene where like they picked up like um, the guitar player and like oh totally like inspired by Robert Johnson. But yeah, like I, I just like again like so they go they pick him up they go and they record and like to me like the entire that entire scene is just like get an understanding like basically like to introduce like the the mayor whoever the um. The mayor oh, was introduced oh, before oh. that, kind of. Yeah, he was. In the radio program. Oh, I was thinking in the big When they're at uh, his brother's Walsh, when they're at Walsh's house and they're listening to the radio, sure. the, the governor is like, that's that's his oh, radio yeah. program. Yeah. But yeah. So it's I, like, as you go through, like, I noticed, I watched it two times and like, they, they it's just, I think it's brilliant just how they, they tie, I don't even know how intentional it was, but how they tie like all these characters in throughout the film. and Do that I, again. Say that again. What's that? You watched it two times? Yeah. Like in a row? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Why? Why? Yeah, why? I loved it. Okay. A room divided is right. Okay, continue. Yeah, I mean, no, this is probably one of the best movies I've seen in a while. Not the best, but it's... Was this your first viewing as well? Yeah. What? Yeah. This was your first viewing? That that really does surprise me because I think it does reward rewatches, but... That you guys both saw it for the first time and had completely different opinions on it. I guess, well, because like you, you're saying you had an issue with the picking up the Tommy Johnson. Well, what I was going to say too is like I just feel like again, like, like until in my opinion, until they kind of get to that like the city where like they um, meet, um, what Ulysses' like wife and like kind of stuff. Like everything to me feels very disjointed. It's like these small little like scenes like like 
James is saying of like it could be a play where it's like everything like so weird. Like, I'm it the just, opposite like, it's like I just feel like it's like the perfect adventure movie. Like, so but so here's, what is your here's, next here's perfect say, adventure? Movie. I mean, but time out. So my argument no, is: Have you if ever I, been on an adventure? It's like you. Well, but if you, I you come I, across things like that, it's no. Like, but, but I think I think if I look at like this movie, which you're saying is an adventure movie, and I look at a movie similar to what I would probably say like an adventure movie. Um, like Stand by Me, Stand by Me does it better. Like they're like they're doing little, like they're doing yeah. little little things where where like they're having like little scenes where it's like, all right, this is the this is the um, the the dog scene in the the junkyard. This is them getting um, the food. Like they do it better, and there's a better flow and fluidity to that than what's done here. So my argument is that I guess I think that there is movies that are doing this better that I enjoy more that don't feel disjointed. I just do not get the disjointed part. I just feel like it, it flows I, so well. And like I'm, they, they, and I, I don't know if how intentional it was, but like the soundtrack that they too with like have with parts of the movie, like the hard, they start out with like the hard rock candy mountain and that's as they're escaping. And the hard rock candy mountain is all about like escaping and then going to like this place, like the promised land. And that's, I just feel like everything is just like, that's what's guiding these characters along the way then you have like the the interaction between like uh ulysses and how he's like lying to these guys to like get them to come along and help him on a journey and you kind of think he's maybe this like this vein and like he's always got to make sure his like his hair done he's got the hair in that but it's like he's maybe not that selfish though because like after they cut the chains like if he was really selfish like wouldn't he just like cut loose like once he was free with them, my free argue, them? I don't think so because I think they would probably like he'd want to keep them around because they're trying to like search for that treasure together. My thoughts is that, but there isn't a treasure. He, he's right. going. He's yeah, because he's going to like make sure his wife doesn't get married. Yeah. So, I have a I have a question, Your Honor. I, yeah. <laughs> if I may. So, um, and I don't I, I don't want to step on <laughs> I don't want to step on the toes of the list, but James and Chris, have you guys seen Buster Scruggs? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I have not. It's in my queue. But I, yes, I have. keep saying great things. So, like, I, I'm on it. I but. didn't know that film exi- or whatever existed well, the until reason- today. Oh, also, <laughs> cool. Well, the reason I ask is because it feels similar in that it's like a lot of vignettes, but Buster Scruggs literally has chapters. So, I'm wondering if that was I, better. And, yeah. That does. was my understanding of what that movie was going to be, too. Okay. Yeah. And, and honestly, like, I didn't love Buster Scruggs, but I do. Say it again. Like, Buster Scruggs. Say, it again. Say start over. Shut up. Wait, hold on. I didn't, hold I didn't on, like over. Buster Scruggs. Oh, you guys are say it three the times. Worst. So I didn't. I didn't love that movie. <laughs> but I did like for some reason like just knowing that it was like there was a more of a structure. And I think like the the difference to me is that I feel like with that movie it was purposeful to have the chapters. The vignettes were purposeful. Whereas yeah. with um with Oh Brother Where Art Thou there is like there it should be fluid in my opinion. Like we're trying to like piece together a story. And when it feels, um, kind of, again, like I keep going to the term disjointed, but when it doesn't feel fluid to me, like that's in my mind, that's not a purposeful thing. They're trying for fluidity and they're just not hitting the mark. Yeah. Yeah. And like when they pick up Tommy Johnson, like, again, I don't understand like how that feels disjointed. Cause like picking up Tommy Johnson too, he also pulls in that the, uh, who plays the guy with the dark glasses and like the dog? Tim. Uh... Damn it. Anyway, that guy that's like chasing them throughout the film. Mm-hmm. He has the hound dog. 
and like the dark glasses. I don't know his name is an actor. They pull him in. He's like, yeah, I sold my soul to the devil to play the guitar. They're like, well, he's like, the devil is, uh, you know, whatever, red and has like the scaly skin. He's like, no, he's white as you are. And he has like the dark, deep, dark eyes. And he has a hound dog with him. And again, it pulls in. Continues to pull in these like little parts of the. St- I don't know. I just think it's brilliant. I, for me, I say so. I agree with Chris on the adventure story part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you nailed it with Stand by Me, like Goonies or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like just something that yeah, was funny that like, not to cut you off, but like that you say like. You, to talk hey, about so Stan? I was thinking that. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Go ahead. <laughs> the Stand by Me part, mm-hmm. like when I was watching this, I immediately thought of Stand by Me. Mm-hmm. Not that it was better or worse than Stand By Me or better. Right. I just think this is like, I think in a way you can't compare them because it's, that is more of like, I see that as a coming of of age, a coming of age story. And that's something more of like, where this is kind of, again, is like more of like a, you know, it's like a tale, like, um, uh, like Pecos Bill or, uh. You ever heard of Paul Bunyan? Oh, okay. You know, yeah. like, uh, right. But American I think, I think when you're saying and, an adventure movie, like, that's what that is. Like, yeah. they're going on an adventure. Same yeah. with Goonies. And Not, I think, like, yeah, if, if, yeah. like, if that's the yeah. category we're, like, putting this in. Yeah. And, I'm just saying, and, like, it's different, like, a coming of age story versus, like, a, like, an American tale. Right. Okay. Right. But I, but I think, I think it's fair to say that the idea of how they are, like, piecing the story together is similar in the idea of like these like little like shots of like scenes right like you've got these small scenes that like are continuing to like well, every movie has a shot of scenes right but i think <laughs> i just i did no. i'm not getting like no, the no, no. jointed part of the the film like i, I, I think I, it it flows so well for me i think this movie but, could have been okay so uh with where, the, have, we, have you given wait yeah so, we still uh, haven't heard we haven't heard from james yet. i've just kind of heard enough for me i've just kind of <laughs> let you out to hang I, I i feel like i'm not backing you up no because i i really love it too i mean i capital l love this movie and i think it's just um for me it's i mean it's everything you guys are saying i i will concede that i agree some of it does feel disjointed but i also i that doesn't bother me as much it's just like little short stories and vignettes and i i'm fascinated by the south i've never been in like the american south and it i don't know just in that way it feels uh, like yeah tell me a fairy tale about the south and just the part where they do pick up tommy i love that like that's a story in and of itself like yeah i you know dance or i traded my soul to the devil for the ability to play this guitar and i don't know i, I don't want to say you're both right because that feels like a cop-out but <laughs> well that's based on the robert johnson song yeah well so, okay like, so i will that's, say that's why i love like it's pulling these kind of things from like folk so Americana wait what song thing. is that is that the devil went down to georgia or something no <laughs> Robert Johnson wrote a song about like he sold the soul of the devil. The so how many, I so how many the southern gentlemen the... sold their souls to play guitar down there? Well, the one was like to fiddle, wasn't it? Like... Uh, dang it. You're that, right. It wasn't yeah. a guitar. Yeah, it was a it fiddle. Was a fiddle. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. pretty sure. Devil, devil oh, you're right. I do remember that one. Yeah. That was in Georgia. This is Mississippi. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the one that sold his soul to play the clarinet. I remember that. It was so good. <laughs> Claire de Lune was amazing. Uh, here's the only thing I can say with that was... This will make it right with what you guys are saying, but with Chris, I don't know, Chris, would this make it better if in the movie, okay, in the intro, am I wrong about this? They had almost like, it was like old-timey cue cards of George Clooney, like, you know, and they, like that's how they went through it. And then what if they actually separated it for you, used the old-timey cue cards, and it was like, act two, 
the guitar devil man like you know what i mean like if they split it up would that have made it better for you or would it just be the same you know i feel like i don't know because i'm trying to remember when i watch the buster scruggs that's not like a that movie it doesn't have the full like how do I want to say this? Like, they're not, like, building on each other, right? Like, yeah. each story is its own, and it's not, like, supposed to end up being, like, a longer, full-length kind of thing where, like, they, they all come together. Right. Right? And so, when I look at, like, that, I think the thing that... I don't know. I think, like, again, like, things just felt to me where, like, there wasn't as much direction, like, flowing towards, like, uh, an end or flowing towards, like, um, some form of, like... I don't know, like for me, I guess it just lacks storytelling. Like I, I just struggled to like see where everything was going. And I think like even with that, like knowing if they were to break that up, that I still feel like things would feel like they weren't as connected as I would like. All, uh, th- I've been on Chris. I've been with Chris the whole time. I've been on Chris this whole time. <laughs> uh, but uh, I was going to say that's, I will disagree. I think the storytelling was well, like honestly, the whole movie, the storytelling, the, uh, the photography, the music, uh, just the actors, everything about it was great to me. Honestly, it was just the written story itself just didn't connect with me. And that's just it. Honestly, otherwise, other than that, I think the movie was fantastic. It just, I will, I just don't feel a need to watch it again. Uh, literally and not certainly twice in one day. I can tell you probably what make the, made the biggest connection with me is that I'm, I'm kind of in, in the moment right now too. I'm really big on this, um, liking the history of like blues, like, country folk music i've just started watching this uh new documentary ken burns documentary on country music and the first episode was just all about like you know the origination of uh folk and blues and like coming from country and western country and western but before that because i I think in a way that in a lot of pop culture we kind of look at the rural especially like the rural south is kind of like you know uneducated kind of not very intelligent people, but you got like people in the South that are making like really great music. And like these, like you just think about families, like singing songs, just all this like tradition that's like built around it and just kind of pulling in like the working class, you know, things from like my family, like my personal story. And just kind of like, I connect with a lot of that. Just, you know, I grew up like my, my parents were uh, essentially like, you know, they were depression era people like my dad was born in 26 my mom was born in 38 so like i kind of like i grew up with all that stuff and not really realizing that as, as i got older so that, that's probably like what my biggest connection with it is but i think the soundtrack is applied to the movie in such a way and again i don't know how intentional it it, it was but just how each song is fits like almost every scene of that that movie so perfectly just like the contents and the words of the music and but it also seems like having like a background in like you talked about like oh like that's like referring to this song it also seems like having this historical background enhance your viewing experience to a much higher degree than people without that background or with without that knowledge so to me like that seems like far less accessible like if you don't like it seems like in my opinion based on what i'm hearing is like what made this movie 
so great for you is like the way that they tied these things to like this historical background, this greater historical presence that for me, like I just didn't have that. So like, I'm not like making those connections. Right. And so for me, it's just taking it as, you know, face value, um, where it just, I'm not, I'm not connecting those, those dots like you are, but it seems like that was a big thing for you of like why this is, is a movie that like just resonated with you. Can we take the song of like constant sorrow? So was that a lyrical one that you guys actually read the lyrics and did that one? Like, Oh, that one speaks. Cause that was clearly the that big one, high point of the movie of both. Like it happened twice. So yeah. they were trying to send a message, yeah, but and I that never was like, that's what I was talking about the soundtrack. I think that's so, so some of the songs in the soundtrack were written specifically for the soundtrack. And I don't think, but that then was you one have, of them, right? No, that yes, one constant sorrow. No, no, that one came out in 1913. Okay, so oh, wow. so maybe it was redone by. Because I know there's lots of like the country. soggy bottom boys. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and I think it was like like uh, Allison Cross and like some members of the band that she played with that came. Okay, I didn't. I I thought that was written specifically for, but or maybe it was recorded. That was that version was recorded specifically. I for think that's the right. Soundtrack. Oh, for sure. But, yeah. But like, say for exa- uh, example, the uh, very first scene where it's like the chain gang. Yeah, that, that was like an actual like chain gang melody. That was a actual. That's a, that was the actual recording that um, was uh, Alan Lomax. Okay, um, talk a little bit more about that though, because I I was looking up this album on Spotify. I think that's the only song on the album that you can't play. I I, I seen yeah, the, I've seen on, this come up because it's on the Alan Lomax collection. Okay. So if you if you look it up in I I use uh, Apple Music, and that it's it had it. It had it grayed out, but it would link you to uh, it would link you to the Al- the Alan uh, Lomax collection. Oh yeah, you were looking that up. You were saying yeah, yeah. It yeah. was it's the only song on Spotify that you can't play um, if you're streaming. No, it's the only song that you can't uh, stream from the album, which I, I assume means it's owned or protected by somebody somewhere. Yeah, so I would try company. to uh, search the it's like the Alan Lomax collection. So Alan Lomax and his father John Lomax, like John Lomax in like the, I think in like the nineteen teens, nineteen twenties would travel around in the South and record like these random like blues and like folk artists along the way and um, worked for the Library of Congress to preserve this music. And like at that time, that was like recording it into, uh, so you know, you know, LPs, records, right? It's just like flat wax, but these were recorded into wax cylinders. It was like the first like recording technique for audio. Hmm. And yeah, so Al, or Like John, the one you see in Westworld? Yeah. yeah yep. Okay. So John, oh, like Lo- John Lomax old-timey pianos had like a giant recording device. Yeah, that, I got yeah, you. Yeah. But the prison song mm-hmm. at the beginning, though, that is the actual recording of Alan. Or yeah, Alan Lomax did a bunch of prison song recordings, and that is actually, I think, one of the few songs on the album that weren't recorded Tainted or re- recorded. Or yeah, like that. for that. So can that's, we? That's cool. Can we all agree though that A Man of Constant Sorrow is a banger? It's really, really. Yeah, it's I mean, really, the soundtrack. It's good. Is yeah, awesome. for sure. The soundtrack is amazing. Awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. undisputed. And actually, I think the uh, soundtrack. Uh, I was trying to like I was reading up some facts about it, and 
it wasn't like oh it made more money than the movie no but it was like on the charts longer than the movie and it was like a number one before the movie came out yeah if i remember correctly reading and like and then lasted like i said longer on the billboard 100s like the movie was out of theaters and it was still like gunning like that's awesome like good for them like i yeah. would agree 100 percent that the soundtrack is amazing i remember yeah my mom had it bought it and it was on in the car all the time but I well, and I bring it up too because I think in many ways, like even if the plot doesn't work, sometimes I've seen this movie probably like three or four times. I think, at the very least, like let's get everybody to the um, concert hall performance of the Soggy Bottom Boys. You know, like it's sometimes I think like maybe if they ran out of ideas. It, oh my god like, they stole this there. from blues brothers right <laughs> oh, we did. oh my god <laughs> so blues brothers is maybe true, based they, on the yeah. odyssey <laughs> they, in a way it is well, they funny. escaped Actually, the nazis I, I was like this is kind of like this is kind of like the blues brothers movie like, that's it's, why it's, we and they're like it and don't wait, the same they on a mission from god 100 <laughs> man the mission from god so uh, oh my god <laughs> why did i i wish that's how this started be like Hey, uh, we are going to watch the uh, Old Brother, Where Art Thou? And then we're like, you mean Blues Brothers? That's <laughs> John Belushi. Sorry, I've seen this movie before. <laughs> it's awesome. Wow, we definitely solved that, though. Well, I, I, I'm just glad we talked through it, because Blues Brothers was also not an adventure story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not. okay, that was some great conversation and topics and talking about the film oh brother where at the so right now why don't we talk about our three favorite coen brother films as we go around we're gonna how about each person will just list their top three list your number one to your number three and i'm gonna track each movie down i'm gonna have my own little point scale here and uh at the end we're gonna aggregate our movie time machine coen brothers movie list so, uh, James, you look like you're ready. We're going to start with you. Uh, I like to think I'm not ready. I think, <laughs> well, there's actually a lot of, uh, besides this movie, like, there's a lot of Coen Brothers movies I do enjoy. Uh, so, trying to figure out, like, the, the like the third one, like, I, get, I think the first two, like, of which ones I enjoy the most are good, but the third one, I'm like, oh, flirting with a lot of them. So, um, I'm going to go with Burn After Reading. Uh, I... <laughs> I just think that movie was just kind of funny and I think it was very unexpected. The trailer for that movie actually was, I don't feel like it ruined anything. It, like I still laughed as hard during those scenes. I want to say uh, in the movie uh, theater, but just like the scenes with George Clooney and like Brad Pitt and all that. Like, I think they were just still as funny. Like they were out of character for some of these people. Uh, and so at the end of the way the movie end or the way the movie ended, I was just like, yeah, this movie is about nothing. Like it's fantastic. I just thought it was really, really funny. It's about nothing, but it's fantastic. But heck oh, yeah. brother is about nothing. I'm just kidding. We're not going to go there. Uh, it just wasn't as fluid. This was the best. This was the best adventure the one story. Brad Pitt scene from the trailer where he's like doing like that. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, like, yeah. In it. <laughs> uh, that's, the scene I remember when I go to bed too. Yeah, I think you're gonna go. You, we're going through all of them at once, right? All at once. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, my bad. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I misunderstood. So yeah, burn after reading. Uh, I'm gonna go with Fargo. I really did enjoy Fargo. Um, I think I think it was great writing. Uh, I hated the accents. Uh, it made me feel better that Fargo was a little closer to. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah
uh, until like I was like, I can get on board when they're from Fargo, but then when they get down to Bloomington or something, I was like, Ugh, absolutely not. Well, don't you know? Oh, forget about it. <laughs> uh, and then really after, quick, have you watched the Fargo series on FX? Uh, season one. Season one so was very good. good. So season good. one's great. All of them are good. I I didn't like season two as much. Season like, two got re- is that yeah? Season two got kind of weird, but I really love season three. Who's the, I haven't watched. Who's the lead three in season three? Ewan McGregor. Oh, he really? Plays, yeah, he plays two characters in that movie or in that. No, series. that wasn't that number one. No, no, no. Number one was. Um, oh Martin no, Freeman. Martin Freeman. Yeah. Yep. Nope. I got it. Yeah. Oh, so good. Can I ask a Fargo question though? Yeah. As the resident, like the movie or like the TV series? Movie. Movie. Okay. Uh, do you guys remember when that came out? Was that like a proud Minnesota moment here? Like, how was that received? It's it was Fargo, a... North Dakota. So no. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. I walked right yeah. into that. Like I said, the accents were goofy then, and then when they got to Bloomington and they didn't change, I right. so Bloomington, but, Minnesota. But yeah. as the Minnesota boys that the Coens are, I mean, was that kind of a big deal? I think deal it was kind of exaggerated or? for like but also it's Fargo Moorhead, yeah. so I mean really like Yeah. Number one. Hey, number one is uh for me, I bet it's no surprise, but Big Lebowski was my favorite. It's uh the funniest, I think, the acting as well done um it was really good and then it just iconically makes the dude which uh i can't believe he appeared in the avengers that's crazy what the dude okay so it was chris hemsworth as thor fat thor but yeah yeah. fat thor Fat Thor. (laughs) but that was just sorry i thought everybody hear about like the seven month like pregnant woman that went as fat thor for halloween like no, but that's hilarious. <laughs> like, she nailed it. That's a great, just, that's like, a great you guys outfit. Just putting me into a coma right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is like talking Harry Potter. <laughs> really quick, if you had an honorable mention for Coen Brothers that didn't fall on your top three, what would you what would you list? I would say True Grit. All right, I just enjoyed True Grit. Uh, even even as a remake, I thought. We haven't we hadn't seen a western. I felt like in some time, and I thought that one was very well done. Not to mention, I saw it with. My buddy Chris here and my sister. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. My sister still calls Chris because it was the first time they met True Grit Chris. (laughs) So when I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm doing a podcast with Chris. And she's like, oh, True Grit Chris. (laughs) So it's a true story. Am I going next? You're going next. Okay. So, and we're going uh, from bottom to top. So three to one. Yep. Okay. So uh, my number three is No Country for Old Men. Uh, I just really loved it. The cinematography in that is phenomenal. Um, it, there's just nothing better. I love the characters. I thought Woody Harrelson was super funny in that movie. Like So, um, number three, No Country for Old Man. Uh, number two for me was True Grit. Uh, I just loved it. I thought um, the actress, the, the younger gal who played her character yeah she was incredible i remember like early on like one of the first scenes with her in the bank and like trying to like sell and recruit the the horse that whole scene just blew me away she is so good um so love that even better in pitch perfect too (laughs) yes um number one then for me uh it was just my very first coen brothers movie that i ever saw um big lebowski so uh just everything about that movie it was super funny i don't know why but still to this day jackie treehorn just always like stays in my mind like <laughs> just can't get that out um so many great characters in there movie. is um so i just i thought that was a really cool movie um you know coen brothers are really hit or miss with me there's some movies of theirs that i just absolutely love and some that i'm just like oh, i 
didn't get it. Um, but Big Lebowski was um, an awesome one. We're going to do honorable mention, yeah. Raising Arizona. I that love that incredible. movie, and yeah. I just That's thought Nicolas Cage ever, yeah. like, was so funny. Was that their first movie? No. It, no. Uh, it was like Blood really or something. Oh. Yeah, it was um, really, really early. But Raising Arizona for me was just super, yeah, like, just a fun a watch. Movie. When we started discussing this, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I really need to go watch this before we record this, because I knew somebody was going to mention it, and now looking at you three, like, uh, that should have been my first, I bet. So <laughs> I've heard nothing but good things about it, so I can't wait to watch it for the first that's time. That's been on my list. Tear of, like, it apart as an adventure film. to cover <laughs> for a movie time machine. That's on my potential movie list. Copy but that. I would right. watch that again. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'll hold off until. All right. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. Looks like it's my turn. Um, we've talked about all three of these, so I won't belabor the point. Uh, number three, oh brother, I'm talking about it right now. I. Um, How do you feel about the flow in that movie? The flow, you know. <laughs> Is that a movie about rap? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. No, that's, that's why we don't care about the flow. <laughs> What's a siren? Just kidding. <laughs> oh shit! So pretty much, for <laughs> you succubus. <laughs> oh, all the reasons we talked about. Um, I, yeah, not as vocally, but agree with Chad at this point in the podcast. <laughs> Just because you guys are being dicks. <laughs> uh, Is the frog a main character? <laughs> This is where I struggled the most with two and one. Um, I went to Lebowski. I still, that's if I need to, I, if I'm sad or just need to feel okay about the world, I'll watch Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Um, things could be worse. Things could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I love that movie. Number one is No Country for Old Men. Um, hmm. I don't know what it is. I saw it the first time when it came out, then think probably went a decade without watching it again i watched it two years ago and just like you chad i watched that and i had to immediately watch it again i think it's tied for the thing with my favorite movie ever made which is a, that's a bold statement but yeah i don't know what it is um just the, the, the first time i saw no country for old men i did not like it and then similarly yeah. like it took me like i waited a while and rewatched it and i was like oh my god how did i not see how brilliant this movie is that's yes. where i'm at and like here and ever i've even like trying to get some feedback from you know our social media following like this is a movie i think i need to go back and and watch well, again. and it was weird because that year too is like No Country for Old Men, and then um, there will be blood. Yeah, there will be yeah. blood, and both of them were like really kind of like. I think I've watched those on the same night. So, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, God, like both really unique. <laughs> How warm was like, that shower <laughs> afterwards? So, yeah, I, so I'm glad you mentioned that because I yeah I own them both. I've only watched them one time in the theater, but I bought them both afterwards because I enjoyed yeah. them. But it's still too soon for me. Oh, I shouldn't say too soon for <laughs> too soon. <laughs> Don't do this. No, what I just happened, had, I, I, I had a bad experience. No, I just uh, I just haven't watched it because it's like I'm like, is this the right mood, the right tone? Like, it just wasn't a movie I went to. As far as it's a DVD, I'm gonna pull out to watch. Pull out. <clears throat> yeah. All right. That was your. That was it. Love the Coens. Oh, honorable mentions. Sorry, real quick. Raising Arizona, we talked about that. No Country was your number one. Yes. Yes, it was. I, I just wanted to shout out Blood Simple. I remember, I think I was in high school, and I need to rewatch that too, the first movie they made. I just remember my takeaway feeling was, huh, that was really smart. Like, I'm not equipped <laughs> to understand that yet. So, but they do they do a lot of tricks in that movie that um, come up later, just with like the MacGuffins with characters, like the briefcase full of laundry, just like weird misdirections like that. So, I need to rewatch that. All right, when did that come out? 
90, no, 84, I have no idea. All right, so my uh, number three is, I'm going to flip this around here. I think I, I had some emotional tie Nailed to it. 84. 84. Old brother here, but uh, my number three would be old brother. Um, again, I just went on my rant of how much I love this movie. So Just so yeah. happy it was your number three. <laughs> Whoa. All right, so my number three is old brother. Um, then my number two is Fargo. And my number one is The Big Lebowski. So, yeah. All right, before we tally these up, I just want to give some uh, thanks to those responding to me on Twitter. Just threw it out out there earlier today. Like, what's your favorite Coen Brothers film was? Uh, Thanks to, uh, it's Jake Brandon, folks, saying his three favorite movies would be No Country for Old Men. Movie number one, True Grit, and then The Big Lebowski. Uh, movies After Work, Movies After Work podcast, share with us that uh, Barton Fink was their number one. It looks like they had a list here. One Barton Fink, Old Brother, then Fargo. Movie Geek and Proud shared with us that Raising Arizona was their favorite Coen Brothers film. And uh, repeat, we've got Griffin's Terrible Childhood again. Welcome <laughs> back. <laughs> Welcome back. Saying it has to be Fargo. It had the right combination of everything. And thank you for uh, Dagan Moriarty uh, saying that Lebowski in No Country is uh, his favorite as well. So shout out to uh, Dagan. Thank you. An awesome podcast as well from them. So, uh, all right, give me one moment here. I'm going to tell you that. So I'm just going to do top five since we had like eight movies total here. So uh, I'm going to start at five and work our way up to the top. Our aggregate list of. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's for James. I appreciate so it. So number five is Burn After Reading. Number four, True Grit. Number three, Fargo. Number two, No Country for Old Men. And number one, no surprise at all, The Big Lebowski. Not bad. Not bad. I just wish we had music. (laughs) (laughs) Tumbleweed rolling. Let me tell you the story about the dude. God, Sam. Sam Elliott. So so good. Like, after watching Bird After Reading, did anybody actually be like questioning themselves? Like, have to Google, was he the Marlboro Man? Like, for real? (laughs) Like, he had to have been. (laughs) Well, wasn't he. Was he the Marlboro Man in Thank You for Smoking? Yeah, he, yeah. W- he was. That's why I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. He's just playing himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that concludes this episode of Movie Time Machine. If you like what you hear, go to Apple iTunes. <laughs> if you like what you hear, go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Give us a five-star rating because those are the only ones that count. Leave a comment for us. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Movie Machine Pod. Just search Movie Time Machine and... Find us on Podbean, Movie Machine Pod at podbean.com. And tune in for our next episode where we'll be covering the movie Scent of a Woman, starring Al Pacino and Chris O'Donnell. Thank you and good night. Ow.